This episode of Mission Log is brought to you by HostGator.com. Do you need to launch your own website? If you're looking for one of the easiest ways to register, host, and build your site, you should check out HostGator.com. They have tools to help you get started immediately, whether you're transferring a domain or building your site from scratch. So, you know, all you fans who want to open up, here's a look at my robotguts.com or drcorbyforever.net or kenissecretlyarobot.org. You can just head over to HostGator.com and have that up before we're done with today's episode. Speaking of DrCorbyForever.net, a .net address is the best way to get a good domain name these days. Grab your .net today. It gets better, though. HostGator has 24-7 tech support on the phone, live chat, or email, and you can choose from shared or dedicated servers. All that plus packages that include unlimited storage and unlimited bandwidth. Order now with the coupon code MISSIONLOG, and you'll get 30% off at HostGator.com. Now entering Nerdist.com. Mission Log, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Episode 69, Whom Gods Destroy. Welcome to Mission Log, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. I'm John Champion, and with me, as always, is Ken Ray. Lord Ken! So... What is this, Ken, now? You're the guy who does the funny character bit at the top of the show? Bow down before me! Today's show is called Whom Gods Destroy, in which Captain Garth... Lord Garth! In which Captain Garth takes over the mental institution where he is a patient, and man, I feel their pain. Silence! (laughs) Unless you're going to do trivia... Oh, oh, lucky you, Ken. I'm doing trivia. May I have your permission? You may. Okay. (laughs) Trivia, today's episode, Whom Gods Destroy. First of all, Yvonne Craig! Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Yes, of course, we know her as Batgirl, um, but she was only Batgirl for the third season of Batman, and that show was actually done by the time this episode was made. Uh, but she appeared on many TV shows and films from the period. She was romantically linked to Elvis. She appeared in two of his movies. Um, and actually, the year before she made this episode of Star Trek, she was in the movie In Like Flint alongside Steve Enot. Uh, he, of course, who is playing Lord Garth. He was born in Czechoslovakia. He did all the great TV shows of the 60s, uh, like The Outer Limits, Gunsmoke, The FBI, Mission Impossible. Again, I know that I'm leaving out somebody's favorite. Um, He was actually a couple of years younger than Shatner uh, when they shot this. And tragically, he died at the very young age of 37 in 1972. He was married to uh, Maria Carter, who was Miss May, 1962, in Playboy magazine. And uh, he was in Cannes at the film festival. He had a heart attack on her 30th birthday. Uh, incredibly tragic. Um, he does have a few other Star Trek crossovers. Uh, one of the more interesting ones, I think, he appeared in the pilot Police Story, which was written by Gene Roddenberry, and it also featured D. Kelly and Grace Lee Whitney. Um, now, uh, because we know that Star Trek was shot and released mostly out of order, there are a lot of mix-ups in the schedule there. Uh, this is actually the first episode to be produced without Bob Justman. However, we will return to Bob Justman's last episode that he worked on. The title, Whom Gods Destroy, refers to Mask of Pandora. That is an 1876 poem by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. It is a conversation between Prometheus and his brother Epimetheus, uh, whom the gods would destroy, they first make mad. Uh, We also in this episode have the reuse of a good number of props and costumes, uh, obviously because of that 
third season budget cut. Uh, definitely the logo and the chair from Dagger of the Mind. Uh, we have an Andorian costume, though not on an Andorian. We have various pointy hats uh, that we're glad to see make a return to the small screen. And uh, Kodos, the executioner's robe on Garth. Well, actually, he was Anton Caridian when he wore that robe, not Kodos, the executioner. Finally, Leonard Nimoy was not a big fan of this episode. It might be said uh, he let his feelings be known in a flurry of memos to the production. He actually reprinted some of those in his book. I am not Spock. So check that out for a bit of his inside take on the well pros and cons of this particular episode. Wait, 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 wait for people who don't have that book for people who can't get their hands on it easily. And mm-hmm. we're not ruining our thoughts on this. Uh, what was Nimoy's problem with this episode? <laughs> well, uh, so he did mention that he felt like uh, this was an episode where the action uh, overplayed the the ability to intellectually deal with a problem, to take care of a problem. He felt like this was not uh, true to form of the way that Star Trek had been up until this point. And I'm sure that frustration setting in from early season three. Uh, but his concern was just using fights and phasers to solve a problem instead of the uh, the brainier approach maybe that we had had in earlier episodes. Uh, so he sent those memos directly to uh, Fred Freiberger and uh, well and then we see what we end up with in <laughs> this they, episode <laughs> where they may well have found the round file okay <laughs> right um Ken, before we get to the story, though, I want to give a brief mention to our listeners to trekinitiative.com. Uh, Trek Initiative is a website designed to be the ultimate portal for everything in the world of Star Trek. So if you're looking for the latest news or you want to expand your knowledge of the Trek universe, maybe through fan clubs, conventions, gaming, whatever, this is the place to go. Trekinitiative.com pulls together the best of Trek on the web in one simple location – Check out trekinitiative.com today. I have an idea for rebooting Lord Garth. Bring back Wayne's World. But instead of his timid friend Garth, the show is co-hosted by Lord Garth. They interview guests. They each say party on. Then Lord Garth makes things explode. Prologue. The Enterprise is approaching Elba 2, a planet wrapped in a poisonous atmosphere and home to a Federation asylum for the few remaining incorrigible, criminally insane people. Good news, though. Kirk and Spock are beaming down with a revolutionary new medicine that can cure mental illness forever. The facility is watched over by Governor Corey, who is really stoked to see them. It'll be nice to have not-crazy people around. Let me just reactivate the force field that'll make it impossible for anyone else to beam in or for you to beam out. And good! Governor Corey pleasantly expresses his doubts that the new medicine will work. Now how about staying for dinner? Spock hears the facility has a new resident, making it 15 in total. Who's the new guy? He is Garth of Izar, former Starship Fleet Captain and current loon. The guy was legend. Kirk actually studied his military exploits at the Academy. Heck, everybody did. Kirk says he'd like to meet him, and Governor Corey takes him to the prisoners. On the way to Garth, they meet the green-skinned prisoner, Marta. She tells Kirk that he's making a mistake. She's not crazy, and that's not Governor Corey. Oh, that one. She says stuff like that. Arriving at Garth's cell... Hey, wait a minute. That's a beaten and abused Governor Corey in the cell. So this guy leading us around... Ah, dear, he appears to be a shape-shifting Garth of Izar. A laughing, shape-shifting Governor Corey. He's freed everyone in the facility, and he is in control. Act 1. Garth stunned Spock with a phaser during the opening credits, apparently. Two other prisoners are carrying him away. Kirk asks Garth why Corey has to be tortured the way he is, though he's corrected. It's not Garth or Captain Garth. It's Lord Garth formerly of Izar. He leads the future masters of the universe. He's got a plan. Everyone in the galaxy has to bow to his will or be confined or destroyed. Kirk plays to Garth's vanity and gets him to release Governor Corey from whatever invisible ties hold him. Also, Garth destroyed the medicine that Kirk brought. When Kirk protests, Garth tells him to shut up. The chatter of inferior weaklings wearies him. Now, he'd like to take over the Enterprise. 
With Kirk's help, of course. Garth's crew mutinied, you see. He'd like to use the Enterprise to hunt them down. Kirk says the Enterprise crew would mutiny too, but Garth says he thinks not, then shapeshifts into a duplicate of Kirk. He and Marta toddle off. Governor Corey fears all hope is lost. Not only will Garth have the Enterprise, he also claims to have invented the most powerful explosive known to man. And Corey believes him. Probably shouldn't have kept this stuff to make that lying around an asylum for the few remaining incorrigible, criminally insane people in the Federation, huh? How does he shapeshift? The people of Antos taught him that. Part of a system of healing. And for that reason, Garth tried to kill the peace-loving people of Antos, which led to his crew mutinying and his being dropped off on Elba, too. In the control room, Garth, in Kirk form, tells Scotty to beam him up. Scotty barks out a chess move. Queen to Queen's level three and awaits a response from Kirk. But it's not Kirk, and he has no idea what to say. He says he'll call Scotty back, then once disconnected, flies into a screaming rage. Scotty's confused. He tries to reestablish communications with Kirk, but the force field's up and there is no answer. They start looking for a way to get someone down to the facility, but with the force field up, there is none. They're helpless. Back at the facility, Garth pledges to his fellow prisoners that they will take the Enterprise even if they have to break Kirk to do it. Act 2. Where are Garth's manners? How about that dinner we talked about, huh? You and Mr. Spock. Marta would like to blow off one of Spock's ears for some reason. Probably has to do with her being insane. At dinner, well, there's a lot of food, advances on Kirk by Marta, jealousy from Garth, and a full-on display of crazy from Marta. Kirk and Spock talk over there and need to take over. Hey, shut up, you two. Marta's gonna recite a poem by William Shakespeare that she says she wrote. Then she's gonna dance. Garth also offers her to Kirk. He wants to be their friend, you see. Well, as long as they're friends, Spock would like to know why he tried to kill everyone on Antos Four. Well, he offered to take over the galaxy for them, and they declined, so, you know, had to condemn them. As for his crew going against him on the whole killing the peaceful people of Antos thing... Totally did not see that coming. Anyway, the people here will follow him. So come on, guys. Let's take over the galaxies. You know, this guy might not be sane. Kirk tries to reason with Garth. You were an awesome warrior, but we're a peaceful people now. Totally peaceful. Why, Kirk and Spock are brothers. Garth quizzes Spock about that. And Spock basically agrees, though, without the figurative speech and undue emotion. Wow, Garth thinks that's crazy. Still, Spock's cool, and he'll get a ship in Garth's fleet. The one that everybody will bring him at some point. Spock tries to reason with Garth, which does not go well. He's ejected from the room. Apparently bored with how slow things are going, Garth asks Kirk what his counter move would be if they were playing chess, and Garth moved Queen to Queen's level 3. Kirk says there could be any number of moves, and he wouldn't call one out in response. Garth implies that he could torture the counter-move out of Kirk, though Marta says instead that Kirk should tell Garth what he wants to know. Then they can run away together. That's a non-starter. Garth has a chair wheeled in. A chair with... stuff on it. It's normally used for rehabilitation purposes, though Garth has modified it. His latest invention. Now it's a hurdy torture chair. No physical damage is done, but well, hey, with the brain and the hurting... He demonstrates it on Governor Corey. Then it's Kirk's turn. Marta doesn't want Garth to torture Kirk, so he threatens to torture her. She paws at her own neck, something she's done a few times, and backs away. Let the hurdy torture hurdy on Kirk begin. Act 3. Kirk's still being tortured. Marta asks him to stop. She admits that she wants Kirk. She says she can get the information Garth wants without the torture, and Garth relents. On board the Enterprise, Scotty's still trying to figure out how to get into the asylum. Still can't beam people down. Still can't blast through the force field without killing Kirk and Spock. If they're not dead already, still helpless. Back on Elba 2, Marta is nursing Kirk back to wellness. She's in love with him, you see. She lied to Garth to save Kirk. They kiss. Kirk says he needs to take over the facility. Marta's a bit torn. Garth is her leader. But okay. Also, she's arranged to have Spock brought to him. They kiss some more. Then she tries to kill Kirk. Makes sense. To the incorrigible, criminally insane Marta. 
Spock arrives in time to nerve-pinch Marta into submission. Spock's got a phaser, and they begin making their way to the control room. Safely there, they call up to the Enterprise and are met with Scotty's code. Queen to Queen's level three. Go ahead, Spock, you tell him the code. Yeah, that's the shape-shifting Garth, not Spock. The phaser pretends Spock gave Kirk is powerless. So, yeah. I'm gonna kill Spock, by the way, if you don't give me what I want. Kirk tries to reason with Garth. You used to be awesome, remember that? Well, you're sick now. But remember how awesome you were? You were the best. A prototype starship captain. A model for everyone else. Try being that again. You're not responsible for all the bad things you've done. Uh, I'm master of the universe. Better than Alexander, Hitler, Lee Kwan, Crotus. I am so gonna rule. Kirk tries to disable the force field, but gets a back full of phaser. Set to stun. Act 4. Garth is preparing for his coronation. Symbolism, you see. He's going to take over the galaxy. Also, Garth's going to make him crown prince and heir apparent to his... kingdom or whatever. He goes through the ceremony, crown and all, naming Marta his consort and Kirk his heir apparent. Kirk is led by two of the prisoners to the control room, where he tries to deactivate the force field. Again. And is overpowered. Again. Now, says Garth, how about a show? I hold in my hand enough explosive to destroy this entire planet. To demonstrate, I've implanted a teeny tiny bit of the explosive, no bigger than a grain of sand, in Marta's neck. She's outside, choking on the atmosphere. Then Garth blows her up. Blows her up real good. An explosion big enough to be read aboard the Enterprise. And now Scotty thinks they may have a way to break through. Yeah, seriously. In Act 4, he thinks of that. And it works, though the whole punch in the force field is far enough away that the people below don't know. On Elba 2, Kirk will still not help Garth, so he sends for Spock. Being strong and Vulcan and not incorrigibly criminally insane, Spock is able to overpower the prisoners and arm himself. But when he gets to the control room... Hey, wait a second, there are two Captain Kirks! But which one is the real Kirk? And which one is the shape-shifting Garth? Spock knows how to figure it out. Queen to Queen's level three. One won't answer, and one can't. Kirk and fake Kirk argue that they are each the real Kirk. Spock says he can wait until Garth is forced to change back to his usual form, then turns his back to grab a chair. So he doesn't see which Kirk pushed him over. The two captains go at it. Fighting, that is. One Kirk tells Spock to shoot the other. The other says, shoot them both. It's the only way to ensure the safety of the Enterprise. Ah, that's the real Kirk. And Spock stuns the fake one. Spock calls up to the Enterprise. Queen to King's level one. Which is totally what I would have said. Pushing McCoy's planet side now, administering more of the medicine they came to deliver. And everybody's going to be fine. Even Garth who has no memory of Kirk, nor of what happened. And the other patients are fine, and Governor Corey's fine. Everybody's fine. Well, except for Marta. The medicine does not heal atomization. Hey, Spock, what took so long figuring out which me was me? Asks Kirk. A little ribbing between the two. And we have reached the end. Mercifully so. And uh, Ken, by the way... (laughs) Hurdy torture, hurdy chair. Yeah. Uh, they have those at Target, I believe. I think so. I'm, I'm yeah. going to build my own, though. I'm a purist. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Do it the old, the old-fashioned the old craftsman way of just, the hurdy torture, hurdy chair. Just the way Dad did. Mm-hmm. That's right. So, Whom Gods Destroy, a.k.a. the inmates running the asylum. I think that's kind of the uh, the theme throughout here. Um, well, why? the uh-huh. inmate running the asylum, what's weird is for a bunch of incorrigibly criminally whatever, huh? Mm-hmm. 15 mm-hmm. of them. These are the 15 worst in the galaxy, right? Yeah. But really, it's just two. And, yeah, right. and one of them is just loopy. I mean, she's not mm-hmm. even criminally insane. She, I mean, I guess she is in that she was willing to kill Kirk because she loved him. Little Axel Rose uh, mm-hmm. action going on there. It really is just. Uh, it really is just. What's his name? <laughs> whose yeah. name? Whose name escapes me? Lord Garth. Garth. Lord it really Garth, is yeah. Lord Garth who is uh, criminally insane, and then she's, I guess, technically criminally insane, but no kind of mastermind. 
And then everybody else is like, oh, thank goodness. Somebody who's really criminally insane. I'll just <laughs> right. stand around and wait for something. Yeah, they, they didn't really have a lot to do. No. The, the other guys, unfortunately. Nor a lot of initiative, which is why they're never going to be like the real masters of the universe. Mm-mm. Not at all. Yeah. Not at all. Speaking of um, which, I love the uh, 80s cartoon reference again this week. <laughs> right. Good job. Yes. Yeah. yeah. If, if only with uh, Dr. McCoy's zeal for uh, poking people with the hypo spray, um, if they had just brought him down first, they wouldn't have even told him who the patients were. He would have just gone around and just started <laughs> shooting people up with a medicine into the episode done. But it's, no, they didn't beam him down. Yeah. I was actually wondering about that. Like, mm-hmm. well, I mean, you know, I mean, this is one of those nitpick things. I mean, this goes back to um, – Oh, what was the one, uh, the enemy within? Why didn't they just send the shuttlecraft down? Mm-hmm. You know, why, why, why do they send Kirk and Spock? Hey, let's send, you know, our top guy and our second guy to basically, you know, deliver a pizza, except in this right. case, it's medicine. <laughs> right. But, you know, we always had to drop something off. Let's send the two top guys to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Neither of whom has any sort of medical training either. Of course, there, there, was, a, there was a doctor slash governor down on the planet, so maybe they thought they didn't need a... Sure. Pusher yeah. McCoy. <laughs> maybe they knew. Maybe the governor was like, eh, don't say it. We, we want to check out the medicine first before we just start poking it into people. You know? <laughs> maybe so. I, yeah. I will say, though, um, speaking of Governor Corey, it was great to see the uh, the dove being crushed by the hand of Federation sanity again. <laughs> right. I am right. a giant fan of that. I don't know why. Yeah. One year that should be my costume. Just a jumpsuit with that on it because I am so in love with that. You know, I like it. Yeah, yeah. Cross between living Bible and, and killing free will uh, <laughs> emblem that takes up <laughs> right. half a guy's chest. It's a great logo. <laughs> it is. It really, yeah. yeah it's circa 1967, 8, 9. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think I've mentioned before on our show how it's kind of annoying to me when the show presents a solution to a problem that we've never had before. So Queen to Queens level three, it, it, it's, it, and I've used the same analogy before. It's like when Bond gets a laser watch or whatever, a submarine car, like he's never had to have that before. Mm-hmm. But now that he's got it in this mission, he has to use it. So, you know, you know, he'll have to be in a situation. So, so far, Kirk has never used a code to be beamed up ever. Okay. We should remember what happened last time Kirk went to an institute for the criminally insane. When he went to Tantalus yeah, 4, right. when he right. went to Tantalus 4, had they had any sort of, you know, fail safe, then maybe things would have gone a little bit better. Also, when they, uh, what was the one with the old ones with Ruck? Um, oh, what are little girls made of? In what are little girls made of? You know, then he had to implant some sort of, um, you know, subliminal message that he sent, you know, to Spock through himself. Well, the right. robot him. So, right. you know, a code like this actually probably isn't a bad idea, but you're right. It would be neat if we saw that every week. Then we could try well, to see, guess each week what the solution is going to be. Right. But see, that was your problem. You said, uh, you know, we remember things like what are rules <laughs> made of and what happened on Tantalus. <laughs> Apparently nobody else remembers what happened on Tantalus. Well, it, it, like. it's possible that, you know, what happened on Tantalus is playing into that. Yeah. Yeah. There, that's there, very true. It's yeah. a throwback to a long time ago for people listening, you know, as we go. Yeah. Right. Or they just say, hey, we, we left Dr. Uh, Vandegelder back on the planet. Everything's fine. Don't need to worry about the criminally insane anymore. <laughs> so, <laughs> except for these criminally insane. Except for these, where we might need a code. Right, um, right. I, I have to say, I do love Yvonne Craig, um, but I, I think the, again, one of those budget cut things, I think Susan Oliver had a way better Orion look uh, in her episode in the cage. Uh, but I do think that Craig has the insanity card played right. Uh, she was very good at being insane. She was very good at being queen of hearts insane. Mm-hmm. Like I loved, I loved the whole thing where she's like, I wrote a poem and then she recites <laughs> Shakespeare and then uh, Lord Garth is like, you didn't write that. Shakespeare wrote it. And she's like, didn't stop me from writing it. Okay. And I love that. Yes. I that's love actually, that line. That's very, yeah. that's very Lewis Carroll to me. Mm-hmm. So she had it like going that way. Yeah. I mean, again, as far as her wanting being one of the 15 most dangerous people, I mean, either the Federation is seriously more docile than any of us ever realized ever. If mm-hmm. she's actually one of the 15, you know, most dangerous people in the Federation at this point. 
Right. She was not criminally insane. She was just batty, you know, with, right. a, with a side of homicidal, which, yeah, yeah. okay, is a uh, crime. So I guess you're criminally insane technically at that point. But she's not Hannibal Lecter. Well, well, but apparently they shouldn't be surprised by that because Spock says about the Orion mating habits, an infallible method for permanent male fidelity. Even though that was Garth Spock, not Spock, Spock saying that. Um, but apparently this is something that Orions do. You know? Oh, I, I didn't think so. I thought it was just him commenting on how crazy she was. And yeah. crazy, but, you know, with a certain, I don't know. I thought that was kind of a throwaway line. It bothered me, honestly, but. Yeah. Well, I, I, I tell you, though, I, I would be, because we, we've seen that scene many, many times before in other kinds of movies where, you know, the girl goes in for the kiss and she's being seductive. And then, oh, but she pulls out the knife. Or she, um, in every one of those instances, I would have been the guy getting stabbed. A- end of movie. Um, anytime that kind of thing happens. All right, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, so you're in a mental institution. Mm -hmm. You are making out with somebody who is there because they are criminally insane. Mm -hmm. Really, you're not watching for anything at that point? It is Yvonne Craig in green makeup, after all. Um, But, hey... (laughs) Uh, other things that uh, I picked up on in the episode. By the way, Elba too. Of course, we know that Elba is the island where Napoleon was sent when he was exiled. Uh, so I like the, them emulating Napoleon crowning himself uh, on a very nice mid-century era Saranen chair uh, that Lord Garth found somewhere in there. Um, and how about Garth just blowing up Marta? I think that's probably the most violent death we've seen on Star Trek so far. Yeah, I think I think you're probably right. Mm-hmm. I mean, she was. I mean, it was, and it's it's sad for her because she really didn't do anything but be her crazy self. Yeah, it, 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 a good demonstration. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, he okay. made his point of a not nice man. I have an idea for a Lord Garth musical. It's his life story, but told through the songs of Garth Brooks. He confesses, in song, to having friends in low places. He sings with menas about thunder rolling and lightning striking. He sings about rodeos for some unexplained reason. Then he makes things explode. So I gotta say, John, a couple of weeks ago, um, when we did The Empath, Mm-hmm. You said that in doing my rundown and doing my play-by-play that I really took one for the team. <laughs> right, right. And I appreciated you saying that. I did not find uh, this episode nearly as torturous, and I'm not skipping to the end, but I'm, I'm making a point. I did not find this episode sure. nearly as torturous as I found The Empath. I also did not find this episode to have um, anything worth mm. discussing. So. Yeah. I got to applaud you because you've got a lot of points laid out here. It's not that I didn't want any. It's just I couldn't find any. So I'm going to let you steer this ship and occasionally I'll say, "Eh, turn a little bit to the right. (laughs) Turn a little bit to the left. I think you're going to hit that. Okay, let's go. (laughs) Well, here's the thing. I I agree with you. I I know what you're saying here. This is an episode that is purely about... The situation. It is the situation of the week. Oh, no, Kirk is trapped by a madman in a mental institution. What are we going to do? And I, as you said um, to me in a private conversation, this is an episode with no subtext at all. Everything that is on the page is what we get on screen. Now, let's, let's stop really quickly and say we will get at least one email saying, I can't believe you missed blank. Right, right. Okay. So I mean, but, there there may but, be something yeah. there, but I'll be I'll be hornswoggled since I can't well, say what I was going to say if I could find well, it. <laughs> well, here's here's the but for me. But just like uh, Dagger of the Mind, yeah, this is an episode where even though maybe some of the topics that they were trying to grapple with aren't really expressed in the episode, it made me think of other things. And that's not such a bad thing. Here we we are, you know, very realistically dealing with a show that's nearly 50 years old and trying to look for the the elements that are relevant or in any way important to life in the 21st century. And... You know, it's okay if maybe what the writer was directly trying to say to us doesn't come through because there was enough 
otherwise there that I could kind of think, okay, well, well, what does this make me think about? Well, one thing it made me think about was technology and and crime. Um, because I've always sort of wondered if improved technology would make it easier or more difficult for a single person to carry out a criminal scheme. So think back, you know, if you lived before the 20th century, there was a lot you could get away with. Uh, if you think about uh, e- even a relatively recent history, uh, uh, people like Jack the Ripper or H.H. H. Holmes, these are people who evaded detection uh, for a very long time. H.H. H. Holmes was finally caught, but, but even to this day, we don't know the extent of uh, what he did in his torture chamber in Chicago and, and elsewhere in his travels. It is considerably more difficult for an individual to get away with certain things in the age of security cameras, paper trails, credit cards, internet trails, all of this. You know, There are those that slip through the cracks, no question about it. Um, but you have to wonder, and what we've seen of the Federation so far, if Lord Garth could really get away with what he was about to do. You know, a couple of weeks ago, you look at the empath, and all you have to do is run the security footage of the scientists sitting there at their desk jobs being bored and talking about the Bible. And it seems like all you had to do when the Enterprise shows up at Elba 2 is run the security footage. Hey, what's been going on down there? Oh, looks like Lord Garth is at it again, and he's got a new trick. Um, yeah. Okay. I'm going to stop you with one thing there, though. I mean, sure. you're right in today's sort of, uh, well, I don't want to call it a surveillance state, but I mean, that's just mm-hmm. shorthand for the kind of thing that you were saying. Sure, yeah. And, and the level of surveillance that we have today, that does become difficult. But I'm trying to remember what was the episode where it was the eject pod episode. Oh, uh, uh, of course. Um, uh, uh, court martial. Right. Yeah. Okay. So if you can run the technology then you actually have a better shot than a lot of people used to have. I mean, because that was the whole thing, mm-hmm. right? They were like, mm-hmm. oh, well, look, it's on the record. And, you know, the record doesn't lie. Well, it turns out you can make the record lie. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, technology, I would say, makes it, it's almost like it, it's almost like it builds, a, uh, it builds a, a bridge for the super criminal in a way, which Lord Garth was not. I mean, no. could he do what he was trying to do? I'm going to go with no because he was just, you know, bat something crazy. Right, right. right. So, I mean, I, I get what you're saying. It's it's kind of interesting, although uh, we've had – I'm sorry. I don't want to be a foil for everything you're saying, but we have actually had that addressed um, maybe in a better way in court-martial. Yeah. Yeah. Well, with, yeah, in court-martial, we, we do deal with – meddling with the technology but mm-hmm. garth is not that guy garth garth no. is not the meddling with the technology guy he he is full of insanity and hubris great which, inventor well yes <laughs> right well, and by right. great i mean you know uh, accomplished not yay <laughs> <laughs> he invented yes. the light bulb he invented explosive that could take out a whole planet and like something mm-hmm. the size of a thermos mm-hmm. nobel yeah, yeah. but not yeah, we noble. Need to get rid of that thing soon. <laughs> um <laughs> good luck by the way yeah yeah uh, but but it's interesting. His character, you know, he he was somebody else, and and now he's very far down the rabbit hole. So far that he can't really snap himself out of it to return to what he was. Um, and Kirk even says at one point to him, you know, you're not responsible for what has happened to you. And this is where I get into the the big question, the the big kind of topic that came up to me in how how he should be treated. So the, the same way that I thought about uh, in Dagger of the Mind, that that was not an episode about the death penalty, but it made me think about it. Um, this is not an episode that goes to any length to ask how we should treat those who are incarcerated or those who are criminally mentally ill. Um, but these are the topics that came to mind. You know, um, you can make the argument that somebody who acts out of character isn't in their right mind and they need to be, for lack of a better word, fixed. That, that's what this drug presumably does. It fixes them. And in fact, uh, Kirk says in the voiceover that this new medicine from the Federation will eliminate all mental illness for all time. And that for all time is a direct quote. Now, yeah. obviously, Garth, he's dangerous. He needs to not be dangerous. Uh, but I felt like we're kind of getting into that clockwork orange territory. 
<laughs> with with the chair and and with our uh, and with this drug to treat him when he comes out of the drug treatment after he gets hit up with the hypo he is not only docile he doesn't even remember kirk he doesn't even remember anything and to me that that was maybe the most chilling realistic thing in this episode the idea that we could just remove somebody's memory and sense of themselves I thought that was a little strange. Right. You're talking about, I mean, Garth is criminally insane. Garth is mm-hmm. trying to take over the galaxy. Garth tried to destroy an entire race of, of, of peaceful people, the inhabitants of an entirely peaceful planet. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, you almost approach a eugenics thing at that point, right? It's like, okay, well, so yeah. do we go from just weeding out what's criminally insane to weeding out just what's criminal or weeding out just what's undesirable? Yeah. 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 Uh, that, that was the thing that was kind of the strangest to me because then you have to draw the sort of arbitrary line to say that these people who have different mental faculties, different experiences, different desires, whatever, from what is acceptable, okay, there's a group that will get this treatment, but there's a group who won't get this treatment because they fall somewhere uh, on one side of this arbitrary line or another. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that was kind of the strangest thing to me. And, and yeah, we want Garth to be okay and we want him to not take over the world or, or the galaxy. Right. But then you ask, is he really himself at that point? You know, th- this is kind of a, a, a thing that you deal with in psychology and neuroscience versus the reality of criminal justice. You know, if you can say that somebody's the the thing that caused somebody to act out in an undesirable way is just purely a matter of chemicals and neurons firing in the right or wrong way, then are they really truly responsible for that when something as simple as, well, a shot from a hypo spray will fix that, you know? Yeah, I've got another question about that too, though. So the the chair is not the tantalus device, right? No. Okay. No. The, the harm in the tantalus device was that it was being used by somebody bad. Did we actually decide that the tantalus device was a bad thing? Because we still have that chair, which is doing a lot of that stuff. Plus, now we have a hypo that's also going to do. It's not going to erase memories and implant new memories, but it's. I mean, as right. you say, it's going to strip. It's going to strip of the person what that person is at that time. Right. I mean, so was the harm was the harm on Tantalus Ford just the fact that this particular technology could fall into the wrong hands, but this hypo that's going to change people is not the wrong technology, or is it just we have to make certain it doesn't get the bad people? Right, right. Well, see, and that's the thing with this episode. Ken. And then, you and then and who, I, are, who are bad people at that point is the other question. Right, right. So you and I get to have this conversation because the episode didn't have that conversation. Right. You know, <laughs> so I thought that that was the more interesting, meaty topic to get out of this. You know, um, there's a point where Kirk even says that the Tellarite, you know, you're ill. I can help you. I can cure you. And I kept thinking, well, you can't tell a crazy person that you're going to cure them as a bargaining tactic to get that person to not act crazy <laughs> toward you. <laughs> you know, right? You tell them, I'm going to give you superpowers. Yeah, right, <laughs> right, right. right. Um, the other thing that I found to be interesting here, because we we touch on it a little bit in the uh, the initial Kirk Garth uh, conversation. Garth is the old school warring version of the Federation. Kirk is the new Federation, full of and he says statesmen and humanitarians, men with a vision. Um, Garth, at one point, it was okay for him to be the great military leader that he was and whatever it was in his brain that snapped kind of latched onto that. And, and he was sort of taken in by this rule by power, the glory of this rule by power. And obviously it went off into the wrong direction, but I found that also to be an interesting uh, uh, kind of division to be drawn um, because even though in the Star Trek timeline, this is relatively recent history that Kirk is referring to, it's a different federation that existed more than 13 years ago. So more than, you, you know, when Kirk started his tenure as a starship captain, um, but not 
decades and decades or a hundred, you know, twenties or a hundred years ago. Pretty recent that the Federation celebrated the military uh, prowess of a guy like Garth. Um, but he, he, he became crazy or whatever it was that snapped in him that then uh, made him criminally insane. Uh, but I thought Kirk's, Kirk's sort of dissection of that difference was an interesting indication of where we are now. Um, oh, and by the way, that's why I mentioned it in the trivia that uh, Steve Enot was younger than Shatner because it, realistically Garth would have had to have been a lot older than Kirk. Yeah, I actually wondered if Garth was a vampire. <laughs> right. Or, or right. some sort of like long-lived – I don't know anything about the people of Izar. Are they a particularly long-lived race? Because – I guess with Kodos the Executioner having done what he did only 13 or 14 years before yeah, the mm-hmm. events going on here, it's possible that the Federation was a much more, you know, sort of warrior uh, thing. But it's kind of mm-hmm. hard to – it's kind of hard to – I mean it plays with, with, with time in almost the way that Wink of an Eye did <laughs> as far as like, wait a minute. So just that recently, we were all like, wow, you are awesome. The way you take over planets and crush your enemy, the way you vanquish foes is is like totally Federation. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, now with this new Federation, which, you know, has to have happened, as you point out in the past, yeah, you know, well, two decades, say, mm-hmm. for... Mm-hmm. For Garth to have uh, to have been alive and actually, you know, a Starfleet ship captain, um, yeah. yeah, it's hard to see how that timing works, un- un- unless uh, unless Izar is is Planet of the Vampire. I have an idea for a Lord Garth biography. It would cover his upbringing in New England his time on the wrestling team, his love-hate relationship with feminism, and it would be called, The World According to Garth. That one was a stretch. He would of course also make things explode. Well sir, I gotta say hats off to you. This, this, <laughs> this episode left me with next to nothing to think about, and then you come along and, you know, say, well here's what I was thinking, and now you got me thinking. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if that. I don't know if that. I don't want to say redeems the episode because I don't know if the episode is terrible. But let me pose the question to you first. <laughs> this is the part on the show where we discuss the messages, morals, and meanings of a given episode and whether that episode holds up. Let's do messages, morals, and meanings in a minute. Does this episode hold up as far as you're concerned? Uh, I, you know what? In a weird way, it does. Like it, mostly, it doesn't. Uh, <laughs> it, it, to me, to me, it has this weird kind of James Bond feel. Like I said, you know, he, you can just as easily picture Sean Connery strapped down to the laser table with uh, Arik Goldfinger about to slice him in half with a laser, as you can picture Kirk there, you know, facing down Garth of Izar. Kirk's at the mercy of a lunatic. There's a girl. He has to escape. Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then. You throw in a little bit of the old sci-fi trope of duplicates fighting. Apparently, if you're a starship captain, you better get used to the idea of fighting <laughs> your duplicate very often. Um, so overall, I, I think it's entertaining, but it's not great. Um, I, I can't help but compare it to Dagger of the Mind, even though the stories are not at all related. Um, but that you know that was a story that was really grappling with this scene of a men- mental institution. Um, this episode is not. This is only grappling with Garth. Yeah. Um, so you know, yeah, entertaining, fun in a way. Uh, but I've had a lot more fun with other episodes. It just kind of feels like we're we're doing the situation of the week by rote. So it's very marginal for me to say that it holds up. I, I, as a production, as great Star Trek, no, it really doesn't hold up. But I was still entertained by it in a way that I was definitely not entertained by an episode like The Empath. How about you, Ken? Uh, the only problem is I kept waiting for something to happen. And I'm not saying there was no yeah. action, but I kept waiting for the you know the moral quandary or the, or the dilemma or the or the you know the the entertaining thought something or other. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it never exactly falls apart, but it never exactly starts either. Now, the one time I don't forgive me if I mentioned this earlier. Um, the one time that the episode comes close to falling apart, 
Act one, Scotty says, there's nothing we can do. Act two, Scotty says, there's nothing we can do. I believe <laughs> act three, Scotty says, there's nothing we can do. And it's at the top of the act, of act four, either the end of act three or the top of act four. He's like, well, there's this one thing we could do. <laughs> right. And right. that annoyed me. And I understand yeah. why. I think I may have actually already said this. It's the same reason we didn't send the shuttle down in um, mm-hmm. Enemy Within. Yeah. Y- you need the action to move along. And if Scotty said, oh, I can fix this, you know, in act one. Well, then we got three acts of so, huh? That could have been weird. <laughs> right. But, but I mean, that's a huge flaw. If you're going to tell me all episode, there's nothing you can do. I mean, and I think later episodes or later incarnations of Star Trek even, they might go ahead and hit on what the solution might be in Act 1. And then we just get a bunch of worried looks and them continuing to work on it. Right. Right. And so that, I mean, that's a particular failing of this episode. Really, though, the big failing of this episode is we've seen great episodes. We've seen a lot of the dilemmas that you were able to pull out discussed in other episodes of Star Trek in much better ways. I mean, even Mm -hmm. bad Mm -hmm. episodes of Star Trek give us more sort of, you know, meat and yeah. they give us more bones to chew on. No, no reference no to pun intended, D. Right. Kelly intended. <laughs> right. um, I mean, they give they give us more to play with. This gives us yeah. nothing to play with. I mean, uh, Garth is kind of interesting to watch as an actor. Mm-hmm. Um, and forgive me for not remembering the actor's name himself. Uh, it's amazing to me that he was younger than Shatner. Yeah. I mean, that's just. I mean, that's kind of nutty. Yeah. Um, He's I mean, he's got some good lines. He's got some you know some cute you know range. I guess mm-hmm. um, Marta was kind of one trick as far as I was concerned. It's kind of an amusing trick, but it was kind of one trick. I you enjoyed this more than I did. I don't think it's it's not bad while you're watching it, but when you get to the end and there's no there there. then it's more disappointing in retrospect honestly than it is while you're watching it because you keep thinking okay this is gonna be something at some point yeah and it just never quite does well is there a there there was there any message that that you pulled out of it oh no i like i said at the beginning of our third segment no i mean you got some interesting stuff out of it and it gave us some stuff to talk about but you know we also could have just read philosophy and talked about that I mean, for all the application yeah. that it had in the episode. I mean, because all the stuff that we talked about, as I think we talked about during this episode, was really addressed um, more fully and in more entertaining ways in, yeah. uh, in other episodes of Star Trek. At least that's my feeling. But, of course, you pulled some stuff out of there. I mean, would you say that there were messages or did you sort of bring your own to it? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I just think I kind of layered on it what I with the other stuff I was thinking about while I was watching it, you know? <laughs> um, which, which in, in the, the course of our show is fair game. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the episode, if you say it's about anything, it's about deceit and madness. You know, Garth says appearance, appearances can be deceiving. Nothing is as it seems. But the problem from a writing standpoint is that everything is pretty much as it seems. It, Garth is mad. He keeps on being mad. Uh, the the fun is just sort of to watch Kirk and Spock fight their way out of it. Um, Kirk plays Garth. That's great. Marta is a bit more nuanced as a character. Kirk still knows what to expect out of her, and he plays her. Um, so th- there are fun things there, but th- that's not a message. That's a sort of a, a theme that we get. Um, we do have kind of a, a hint of that classic Star Trek approach about compassion. Like I mentioned, the old way of amassing power, fighting the enemy, uh, Garth listing off the great conquerors. We know that by the time we get to this Federation, Federation 2.0, whatever you want to call it, that's gone. Kirk is describing his way, the the Federation's way of humanity and compassion as being better and and more noble than what Garth uh, thinks is the correct direction. But, of course, he's dealing with insane Garth. So another Garth maybe could be reasoned with, but not this Garth. So, yeah, those are the things that that we get to touch on. But, again, did the episode really try to go that far in dealing with those things? Not really. They're more or less just presented. And then we have the fun of them trying to get out of it and Spock deciding which Kurt to shoot. Um, I guess – 
I guess there is one thing maybe that you could say would be huh, – it's not really a moral or it's not really a message. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a moral. I mean Garth is undoubtedly insane, not just because he is in a place for the criminally insane because, mm-hmm. I mean, again, mm-hmm. let's remember Kirk was in one of those too on Tantalus 4 and he was not criminally yeah. insane. Yeah. Um, there is something to the fact, I guess, that Kirk and Spock at various times – are still trying to reach and reason with Garth. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I guess, I mean, I guess there are some people who would say there's absolutely no point in that. There are other people who would say there's a bit of nobility to that. You know, they're mm-hmm. still trying to do it. And the fact that, you know, they're still trying to cure them. This is not just, well, those guys are nuts. While he tried to kill the whole planet, let's lock him up and throw away the key. Right. What, what they say instead is, well, let's keep him someplace safe and see if we can't help him at some point. Yeah. And, and I guess that could you, – you could make that a message if you want to. Um, I know a lot of people would hate that message. I don't honestly know how I feel about it. I mean I think at a certain point, you know, I, there's no part of me that says, oh, you know, maybe if somebody had talked to Pol Pot afterwards – you know, <laughs> right, there's nobody right, who's yeah. like, oh, too bad we couldn't catch Hitler because maybe we could have had him turn things around in 1945. Right. You know, I mean, there there are certain points that I'm OK saying, yeah, I think we're cool. Yeah. <laughs> Let, <laughs> right, right. Letting you stay where you are yeah. um, and how you are, as long as you're you know not harming anybody else. I guess you could say maybe that that's a that is a I mean, that they're better people than I am, because having tried to destroy an entire race of peaceful people. There are still people in the Federation who are like, nah, I think there's help for that guy. Mm-hmm. I, But I don't know. <laughs> I'm probably surprising a lot of people listening right now. I don't know that that's a message that I'm going to take with me. If you get to the point that you're destroying a planet, yeah, I, I might be okay trying not to rehabilitate you. <laughs> well, maybe some of our listeners uh, would like to engage in that conversation with you or me or all of the above. Uh, we welcome you to do so. Facebook, Skype, and Twitter, where our handle is Mission Log Pod. Uh, you can call us at 323-522-5641. You can email us, missionlog at roddenberry.com. And uh, you can always find us on the web, missionlogpodcast.com. We have a beautiful beautifully designed website there. Uh, Remember, we may use your comments on an upcoming episode of Mission Log. Next week, Ken, what do we have? Next week, John, let that be your last battlefield. Some of the music for the mission log provided by Warp 11, online at warp11.com, and from the album Messages, by Key Theory, free to download at kitheory.com. I have an idea for a Star Trek Star Wars crossover. Two words. Garth. Vader. And transmission. Now leaving Nerdist.com.